Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. It's Brendan Escott in for Bob Stoffer today on Oilers Now. 106 in Edmonton. The show brought to you, as always, by Digitex. Digitex.ca is Alberta's number one owned and operated place to buy office technology and software. Keep the text coming at 780-496-0063. That's the Ashley Fine Floors text line. You can get the new floors you've always wanted with Ashley Fine Floors. 143rd Street, 111th Avenue, open Monday to Saturday. Or on Twitter, at Oilers Now, at Bob underscore Stoffer and myself, at Brendan Escott. That's Brendan with an E, not an A, not an O, and certainly not an I. David Staples coming up momentarily here. We'll remind you that Japanese Village is open to serve you at any one of their five Edmonton and area locations. Try the legendary Wagyu steak. It's cooked right before your eyes. Reserve now at jvedmonton.ca. That is, that's dinner and a show all wrapped up in one. It's a blast at Japanese Village if you have not been. All right, we'll see what uh, what the emotions surrounding this Oilers road trip are. After the puck drops at about 5.30 tonight on 6.30, Chad, Edmonton gets three of the top four teams in the NHL back to back to back. Good news is they're coming in on a bit of a heater of their own. We'll join... Forces here with David Staples from the Cult of Hockey, political affairs columnist at the Edmonton Journal as well. David, thanks for taking some time today. I'll ask you this out of the gate. How much of the success with Jay Woodcroft can be attributed simply to the new coaching bump? What do you see in there? Well, um, the team transformed itself overnight, pretty much, when he took over. It went from a team that... Under Tippett, at least in the last handful of games, had fallen apart defensively, which was very strange uh, for a Dave Tippett team. Um, you know, they'd been kind of hanging in there, trading grade A shot chances, um, uh, even during the losing streak. But in the last in the last handful of games, there they just started to give up a massive amount of odd man rushes and um, slot shots, just wide open slot shots. And I just, it, it, they looked to be a team in total disarray. Um, they were, and I don't know why that was. <laughs> it's hard to know. You know, it was characterized by, you know, players constantly um, shifting off in the defensive slot, the forwards, and, and not knowing, but none of them really taking responsibility and covering off the defensive slot. And the defense were making bad decisions and getting caught on two on ones. And it just was, it was just out of control. Tip, uh, Woodcroft comes in, and that almost immediately goes away. There was still evident in the first game, but as as they went on to the second, third, fourth games, 
um, there was hardly an odd man rush to be given up. They were still giving up. Every team's going to give up grade A shots and slot chances now and then. But in terms of those just really destructive um, uh, odd man rushes, they cut it right out until the last game, and they fell apart against the Wild and looked very much like the team that we saw um, in Tippett's last days. So, so we see this team as kind of it's this roller coaster where um, when they're all committed to team defense and really thinking about it, rested, ready to go, they can play it. But things start to go wrong and bam, they're right back. They can be very shaky defensively. And I think this is, in the end, you know, we've all been wondering why this team has been on such a roller coaster ride this year. And I think it is fundamentally about their defensive play, which includes goaltending, um, but also team defense. And unless they have that kind of commitment to team defense, which they've had under Woodcroft, if they don't have that, Brendan, they're going to lose. And, and they're not going to be able to compete with the best teams in the league, which, which generally have that strong defensive structure. The Oilers are still working on it. Uh, it's a work in progress. They've got a lot, lot of young defensemen. They've got a lot of elite attacking players. And both of the, that type of player tends to struggle now and then on defense. Um, unless they can work that out, they're not going to go very far in the playoffs. And this is where I look at how the, the lines are being distributed. Let's just focus on up front. And when you talk about having, say, even Derek Ryan flanking Ryan Nugent Hopkins and just a different look there and in, in, in the, I guess, where the dust has fallen in terms of the forwards, the top nine and how they're being rolled out, is the way that the, the roster is being distributed and, and and thrown over the bench right now, sort of helping with them playing team defense. Tampa won a cup going 11 forwards and 7 defensemen, and I'm not making that suggestion, but I guess it's not too far out of the realm to suggest that having a, a, a stronger balance has really improved things as well. Well, we all know the Oilers seem to lack fourth line players, you know, for players who can get it done on the fourth line. And so what seems to be, but they do have a strong top nine. So it does seem to make sense if you're just looking at the assets on this team and how to win games. You think, well, if we can increase the ice time for the entire top nine and limit it for the fourth line, and they'll just kind of plug in here and there and help out the other lines, that might work in terms of a formula for success for this team. And it's all like we. Ken Holland has done a good job. He's added Zach Hyman and Evander Kane. Like these are two high quality top six forwards, and you know they have Yesapoliarvi, they have Kari Yamamoto, they've got other options for the top line. So they, you know, with you know surrounding McDavid and Drysaddle, two of the best, if not the two best players in the league. So they have the top six covered now. That's something that we didn't, the Oilers didn't have in the past, top six forwards. But now they seem also to have a third line. And when they put Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Fogle together, I didn't know what to think. I had no idea if that would work or not but it has worked I think remarkably well um, Derek Ryan playing center in the NHL is a, is, a, is a tough spot you have a ton of defensive responsibility you can get overpowered in the slot if you're a smaller player you've got to be at the absolute top of your game and you have to have a com- complete defensive commitment to make it work and so I think Ryan has had the smarts and the commitment but I, he was getting batted around in the slot a little bit mm-hmm. he was coming on strong though the last two months but him moving to the wing has really worked well Nuge has in the past struggled as a, as a center at defense in the defensive slot and down low helping out the defenseman. But he seems to have matured into, at least in this recent run of games, of a strong defensive center. He's really getting the job done. And Fogel adds size, 
um, speed, intensity. You know, he's a banger, and he's helping that line out in that way. So you have these kind of two super smart players in Ryan and Nugent Hopkins who um, both get it done with speed and smarts. And Fogel adds that element of bullishness and just, you know, he's just a big physical hockey player. So it's working, and it's helped the Oilers a lot. So they have this top nine where you can spread out the, all that ice time to, uh, over three lines. And, um, yeah, it, it has been successful. 700 NHL games for Ryan Nugent Hopkins tonight. You've been following him all along, and, you know, here we are in the latest iteration of the chapter of his career first overall draft pick and now we're talking about him as somebody that the team's relying on as as a defensive stabilizer I think that says an awful lot about who he is as a player his commitment to the city and the team and 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 the willingness to do what it takes to win as a member of the Oilers you know it's an interesting trade-off he does get to play with McDavid and Drysaddle on the top power play unit uh, or one of the top power play units in the NHL. So in terms of him getting rewarded and, and having a prominent role on the team, I mean, he's used shorthanded, he's used on the power play and at even strength. So he, he there's a lot of benefit for him too. Like it's if you didn't get that power play time, you could see maybe him feeling a little hard up, but he gets that. So now he's being asked to be a third line center. Um, you know, hockey agent Rich Winter has talked about the core, I think it's the core 12 on the team. And that includes the, the top four D men, the top six uh, forwards on the team, but also the third line center. That's the absolute core of, of a hockey team in terms of uh, positional players. Nugent Hopkins in this new role as the third-line center is part of that. It's an absolutely critical role. The Oilers have not been able to fill it um, in recent years successfully. But if he's able to do this, it just it's a, it's a major, major change for the Oilers and a major improvement. And so far, he's really getting it done. You need that super solid, excellent third-line center. He could be that guy for the Edmonton Oilers, and um, he's, he's fulfilling that role. Chatting with uh, political affairs columnist and cult of hockey writer from the Edmonton Journal, David Staples. And David, let's talk about that power play for a minute. It's looked like it's found itself somewhat under Jay Woodcroft again. You can't expect a 30% power play unit to carry over the course of a season, but it looked like it had completely lost itself in the the. East-West passes were just so calculated by every team out there. And in recent games, they, they seem to have, again, gotten their footing underneath them again. I would like to know what you've thought about how the power play has altered itself with Woodcroft. Well, I, I still don't see it as a really high-functioning power play right now. I, I think what other teams have discovered is if they are super aggressive on this on the penalty kill that works against the Oilers because this Oilers power play is always looking to set up and move the puck around the perimeter start moving it around have a look you know probe make those passes hold the puck a little bit and that worked really well and it ended up often with a one-timer shot from Leon Dreisaitl as they kind of probed so you so you have this kind of patient approach in some ways uh, from the Edmonton Oilers that was working early on. And, and now, so the, the other teams are denying that. They're denying the ability to set up. But what you give up then is when you're so aggressive on the penalty kill, you can get a guy out of position. And for the Oilers to take advantage of that, they have to take it hard to the net. They've got to stop trying to set up 
And just, you beat a guy, you go to the net. You beat a guy, you attack immediately. And I think there has to be a bit more of a change in mindset uh, from the Oilers on the power play, from this kind of setup mode to the second you have an advantage, you press that advantage, you take it hard to the net. And I'm not, so I'm not completely seeing that yet. There's another problem, I think. Um, Tyson Berry has had really good success in terms of putting up points on the power play this year. Um, and the power play has functioned well in terms of creating points. But that was mainly from the, the start of the year. He has struggled quite a bit. And I, I personally think it's time for Evan Bouchard to um, step up. When, when Bouchard's on the ice, he creates a higher rate of grade-A shots himself and grade-A chances himself setting up passes than, than Barry. And it's, it's about double the rate of Tyson Barry. Um, that's a strong recommendation for Bouchard. The other thing is Tyson Berry in has, by our calculations at the Cult of Hockey, we're looking at this, he's had 10 times this year where he's, he made a major mistake that's allowed a grade-A shot against on the power play, and it's often getting shots blocked or being out of position. So that's happened 10 times to him this year. Bouchard's just happened once, and Darnell Nurse not at all. So he's giving up a lot defensively, a lot on the other teams getting a lot off of him. And so the ratio, like the cost-benefit analysis on Barry isn't working out very well right now on the power play. I think it is time to move full-time to really put some confidence at Evan Bouchard and make that move. And I know that's difficult to do to move out the veteran for the rookie, but I think it's time. And you got to figure if there's a coaching staff that would be willing to do it, it's the one that has the familiarity, David, with Bouchard over Tyson Berry. And I agree just on the eye test without tracking the stats, the nervousness, it seems, in Berry's game, manning the puck on the point. In the last few on the power play, it's you're almost sort of waiting for the turnover. And I don't know whether that's because he feels the heat of Bouchard and, and having missed those couple of games and watching Bouchard score, but even to rewind a little bit to what you were saying before, I mean, how often when have we talked about the success that this team has on the power play when things break down? And how do you break things down? Well, you, you take it to the net or you get a shot on, right? So it makes a lot of sense where you're coming from in that, but the shot has to hit the net, not shin pads. And maybe that's where the stark difference is right now. It's hard to know, like, why Barry's struggling a bit on defense on the power play, like, like giving up all these breakout chances. It could just be bad luck, you know, over a, a period of time. But, uh, and, you know, Woodcroft is a, I think in some ways, he's a very traditional coach in that he, you know, all the coaches at every level uh, of pro hockey want their players to earn it, you know, earn the job. And But I, I think Evan Bouchard has over the course of the year. And um, he's earned a chance to run this power play, give him a long time. And, and we, we saw that under Dave Tippett. He was starting to move there now and then, um, a little bit more open to having Bouchard run the power play. But I do think it's time to make this major move. Uh, Jay Woodcroft is familiar with uh, Evan Bouchard. He coached him full year in uh, Bakersfield, uh, where Bouchard had a lot of success on the power play. So, yeah, he might be more amenable to making this move. Um, that again, I would argue, is necessary. Maybe maybe there's some people who just think stick with Barry. You know, he did run the number one power play last year. This year, they're number four overall. So so it's not like Tyson Barry's a disaster on the power play. He's an excellent power player, but I just he he's he's struggling. The power play is struggling. Last two months, it's been a weak, a mediocre power play. You can't have that. The Oilers need something better, so you got to change it up. 
Last thing I want to ask David Staples from the Cult of Hockey is just about Yessa Poyarvi and sort of his absence and up and down season for him. If you look on paper, the numbers aren't that bad, but a lot of that buoyed by a great start to the season and then it kind of tapered off. So uh, he's injured right now, but just, uh, you know, maybe a couple thoughts on, on Poyarvi and what he might bring when he returns. Well, uh, there's some controversy. Mark Spector said he wasn't playing very well. And, you know, I just, I don't see it that way. I see Pugliarvi as being a very steady, strong two-way winger in a top six role. He's created a lot of scoring chances. Uh, he defends well. He's, he's, a, he's a smart defender. He covers his men off. He works hard on defense. I see a, a solid two-way hockey player in a top six role there. And on the power play, um, he has thrived. He's, you know, uh, Chase on was, was excellent last year, uh, screening the goalie, winning pucks. But I think Pugliarvi's every bit as good. He, he does that total eclipse of the sun screen of the goalie. He's looking to screen the goalie. Um, and, and it's worked out well. He's, he's been a strong player. So, um, I think the orders miss him and we'll, we'll, we'll be a better team when he gets back. David, how do people follow you uh, for the cult of hockey stuff at D Staples on Twitter. All right. Thank you so much for your time, David. We'll chat next week. Thanks, Brendan. David Staples, cult of hockey, political affairs columnist at the Edmonton Journal as well. Uh, yeah, Poy Arvey, I mean, he's part of the rotation on the power play uh, that also includes... Zach Hyman, now Evander Kane. Playarvi's a pretty good screener in the net front, though. He has a huge frame. What I'd like to see more of from him is using that frame, A, to box guys out, and B, I think he's got he's to stay on his feet in the goal mouth. Have you ever noticed you're watching every shot attempt or, or missed shot attempt, for that matter, from Yessa Playarvi? He ends up like falling over somewhere in there. I wonder how many more of these shots could have beaten the goaltender with a revised approach. Maybe he'll have one when he returns from that lower body injury. Maybe I'll have a better suggestion when we return from a quick timeout on Oilers Now. It's Brendan Escott with you. Hi, I'm Darnell Nurse from the Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chet. Tampa Bay Lightning live tonight on 6:30. Chad, 5:30 face or no, 5:30 puck drop, four o'clock face-off show. Nice brief afternoons today on 6:30. Chad with guest host Ted Henley. It's the start of uh, a five-game road trip for the Oilers. In total, they will have been gone for 11 days. Uh, consider that one or two down already. Again, Smith is starting in goal for the team tonight. Looks like a top line of Connor McDavid centering. Ryan McLeod and Zach Hyman, who shifts over to the right wing. Uh, second line of uh, Dreisaitl, Evander Kane, and uh, Kyler Yamamoto there. So 11 forwards, seven defensemen will be utilized once again tonight. That was confirmed by Jay Woodcroft. And why not? The team's looking for his first win in Tampa in more than 10 years. In fact, it's coming up on 13 years. 2009. You heard Brian Lawton say he was still the general manager of the Lightning the last time the Oilers won in their building. 
Hilarious. Team right now is third in the Pacific Division. They are 28-19-3. Tampa, uh, they've been rolling. They are, what, 30-11-6. 32-11-6, pardon me. And that's still only good enough for third in the East. Uh, that'll be an interesting game tonight. Hey, you know the cars cost less in Wetaskiwin. Brent Ridge Ford and Wetaskiwin are 10-time President's Award winners for customer satisfaction. Right now, the best way to get a vehicle is to custom order one. And discounts are available from both Brent Ridge Ford and Ford Motor Company on most custom orders. Why not get the exact equipment and colors you want? Reach out to Uncle Milt, Rich, Johnny, and the gang at 1877 477-3673 or visit brentridge.com. Our NHL insider John Shannon coming up on the other side of a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. <laughs> Chris Gardner on the other side of the glass. I don't know if you saw this, Chris, but we just had a message come in that says, if you don't play Grease Lightning, I will never forgive you. Well, Texter, I suggest you stick around for the final half hour of the show because uh, we got a couple more songs in the chamber, and I would hate to disappoint. Little Buckaroo says, with all the offensive depth we have, why not split up McDavid and Dreisaitl on the power play? That's uh, Little Buckaroo. He also calls himself Brody, but let's roll with Little Buckaroo. That's way better. Well... You don't want to take the power out of the power play, right? You're already trying to balance the offensive allocation and, and, and that sort of thing five on five. These guys want to play together. And if you can have a minute or a minute and a half out there, a five on four with them, that's that's the way it's going to be. I see where you're coming from. I see where you're looking at having a second unit and why that would be beneficial to the team. And I agree. But maybe that second unit needs to be uh, centered by somebody else. Maybe if they actually want to implement a second unit, run a different setup, maybe that becomes Ryan Nugent Hopkins and they find somebody else in the bumper spot for that first unit. I don't know. I'm just spitballing out here. That's what sports talk radio is. If you'd like a little more, I suggest hanging around through the 130 News. Eileen Bell's got your headlines. We've got our NHL insider, John Shannon, for legacy heating and cooling when we come back. It's Brendan Escott in today for Bob on Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.